Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. We are part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Luke List. You know him as a former Vanderbilt golfer. He has just won the Farmers Insurance Open. He and Will Purdue and I will have a three-way conversation that I think you're going to love talking about that tournament, his career, and his time at Vandy. Luke appears on the guest line. That is presented by our friends at Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If your loved one has been hurt in an accident, please call Taylor or Russell. That number 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Now, on to our conversation with Will Purdue and Luke List. We've got a special episode of the Vandy Sports Podcast today. Not only will Will Purdue be joining me, as you know, he's co-hosting the show with us from time to time. We've got a special guest. He's a name who's been in the news a lot lately. He is Luke List, uh, coming off one of the best moments of his professional career as he's just won the Farmers Insurance Open. He is, is, as we speak, the number 56 player in the world today in the world golf ranking. You know him as a Vanderbilt golf alum. Uh, Luke, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. We're, we're thrilled to have you today. Thanks for having me, guys. And Will, I believe we've still got you here. That is correct, sir. Well, thank thank you both for joining me today. And Luke, I'm just going to start right in with you. Um, it has been quite a ride for you the last week. You've won the Farmers Insurance Open. A week later, how's that feel? Yeah, it's still um, sinking in. Obviously. Um, one of the best moments of my career um and to share that with my family obviously last saturday was something i'll always remember walk me through that because i think you were something like 19th going into the final day you had some tense moments there at the end you had a two-hour wait for a playoff just walk us through that whole tournament and especially that last day yeah i had a good um i started my my season, well, not my season, I guess my, the wraparound season. So, uh, the week before in Palm Springs and, you know, I had a decent week. I finished 22nd there and, um, coming off, you know, the kind of the holiday break was a good little warm up and felt like my game was in a pretty good spot. I've done tremendous amount of work on my putting and in the off season with my new putting coach, Steven Sweeney. And basically the structure that we built for the drills and stuff in practice, I was accomplishing them very well and my my rating of the of the drills was at a high level and was expecting to play well and and it was just something that encouraged me the beginning of the week in preparation and um, I had a good mindset going in got off to a really strong start on the south course on Wednesday and um, you know continued that through through play on Thursday and wasn't really thinking about winning per se I guess it was more of i getting my mind that I was going to be in contention and be there on Saturday in the final round. And I kind of made a comment to my coach and my new putting coach about that and expecting to be there, you know, late on Saturday. And that's just giving myself a chance. So I had a disappointing day on Friday and kind of thought I shot myself a little too far back, but I knew if I got, you know, had a really good strong start to the front nine, um, I would be able to get, you know, make up some shots and you just never know. And I was hoping to post a low number, um, when I birdied 18, I still thought I was going to be a shot or two, um, 
from making a playoff and uh you know i waited around for an hour with my family then i kind of warmed up once it looked with the leaders were kind of coming down the last few holes and you know to win a golf tournament a lot of things have to go your way um throughout the week and you know just the you know the guys weren't able to make some birdies on the closing holes and my number held up for a playoff and to you know i kind of told my caddy going into that if i was if i were getting a playoff i was gonna i was gonna make birdie i mean that was just ingrained in my head for for the whole hour kind of leading up to the playoff i just told myself if, if i get a chance i'm gonna make birdie and you know I've, I've been in a playoff before and i just had a really good positive attitude going into that and i walked you know walked out there with a mission and and was very fortunate to to accomplish that i mean i hit pretty poor drive and a bad lie and then to lay it up and then the wedge shot was one of the best shots of my career but i've hit that shot so many times in practice and the conditions and i knew exactly what to do and um that's why you practice so you can you know give yourself an opportunity to pull off those shots under the gun and it was you know again one of the best shots i've ever hit and you know will zalatoris is a heck of a young player and he's going to have an amazing career with lots of wins in front of him but um i truly felt that that was just my time and a lot of good things have to go your way like i said but um it was definitely you know an opportunity and i'm glad that i was able to seize it all right luke i've got a bunch of questions just off that answer sure. alone and you uh mentioned and i also went back and i listened to your post round press conference and you talked about going in even going into the that tournament that you thought you had found something over the last couple months and then you specifically talked about the putting with you know coach sweeney and you just mentioned it right there <clears throat> any golfer that plays the game and i play and i'm a 12 handicap and I'll occasionally shoot in the 70s but when we hear you specifically as a professional talking about finding something and starting out specifically with, with the putting you had talked about in the post game pre uh, post round press conference that wasn't like you know you talked about how when you went to see Sweeney you were going to be like yeah your stroke is terrible but that's not what he said he just talked about how you had to make little changes can you be a little more specific and talk about those changes that you made and then how quickly you started seeing the results and I know this is kind of like a three part question but also how that changed your view of yourself being a confident putter yeah great great insight and great questions i mean first of all golfers of any level it's it's a um it's a humbling game it's a great game but you know you're it's very ups a lot of ups and downs right so i've had great moments in my career i've had down moments in my career but overall the putting has been an area that's kind of held me back i've been a pretty consistently good ball striker compared to the statistics compared to the other players so you know, it was something that I've worked at. I've had different perspective, different putting coaches, but I've never had a grasp of truly understanding. So it was very inconsistent. Like I'd have weeks where I could putt pretty well and days where I'd putt really well. Very rarely would I have four days of a competitive tournament where it was pieced together consistently. So I knew going into seeing Stephen Sweeney that I needed to have a fresh take. And I'd played some really good golf in the fall, but it, the putting was just not there and I, I really thought i had some chances to win and it just let me down on the weekend and to to go down there first with an open mind you know i, I gave myself a lot of credit for that and i just said hey like 
you know, it's, it's pretty vulnerable to admit your weakness, especially at a, at a high level of competition. And to go down there basically just with an open mind was, was what I needed. And he, he had the ability first to compliment me and saying, Hey, listen, like your approach, you're doing what you're trying to do well, but you're, this isn't, this isn't working. So he made me feel better that it wasn't just a mental block. It wasn't a necessarily a physical thing. It just, my mechanics were off and I needed to fix them in order to have better, more consistency. And I won't get crazy technical, but basically, you know, what I was doing was I was accelerating the putter from a shorter backstroke. So I was leaving the face open at impact, um, because of the aggressive nature of my, of my acceleration. So he was trying to get me to basically have a more even flow to the stroke, which is a more constant speed, keep a square club face so I can deliver it back to the ball at impact to the square club face. And yeah, it took, it took, um, you know, I went to see him the first week of December and it took several weeks to kind of, you know, felt really weird at first. And we were doing a lot of stuff on the video monitoring. And when I was doing it the right way, um, the numbers were tons better. So it just, it made sense. I was like, I, I went all in, I bought into him, the system, whatever you want to call it. And the results were unproven yet, but I could see it on the numbers and I could see it in my practice. I could see it at home playing competitive rounds with, with, with friends and, um, you know, to show up in Palm Springs and seamlessly not really hit it that great and putt pretty well and finish 22nd. I was like, wow, like that could have been maybe a made cut, maybe a 50th, 60th place. But my putter, I thought kept me in it for a better finish. That gave me a lot of confidence, you know, and then, like I said, to have those two days of practice with Steven, um, in, in leading up to the, to Torrey Pines, my, my confidence was probably at an all time high, just based on, you know, I used to lay awake at night thinking about, okay, well, who's going to show up tomorrow? Is it good putting or bad putting or, you know, there's so much anxiety, you know, based upon that, that lack of, um, the unknown basically in that, that area of my game. So, you know, I just felt at ease about it. You know, I felt like, I've worked so hard with it in such a short time, but, but I really feel like I was able to grasp it more and who knows, like, I mean, you know, I'd like to think I'm going to continue progressing and getting better with the putting and everything like that. And we have a lot of work to do, but, um, I was able to really buy into what he was saying and understand it. Finally, it felt like a light bulb went off and I was like, okay, well that actually makes sense. What I was doing was wrong and this is right. And, you know, it all, it all came together. I mean, I, I missed some putts. You're going to miss putts. I mean, that's the thing that he did a really good job, good job of explaining to me. He's got a drill that you, you put four to eight footers and, and the best in the world are 17 of 16, 17 out of 20 in those ranges and in, in practice. So to do, to do those drills and to, to be making the putts in the in practice gave myself that extra boost of confidence. And, um, I was able to, you know, capitalize that week. So, when I played for the Bulls, we used to do this drill at the end of practice. So in in your case, let's compare free throws to putting. Okay. So obviously, free throws can win or lose your game for, for you. Putting can win or lose a tournament for you. you. You've obviously just proven that and you just talked about it. We used to have to do this drill at the end of practice. Before you could leave, you had to make seven in a row. Because, you know, and then you hear there's other people that he picked that up from a psychologist that if you can make something seven in a row 
in this case, let's say seven putts, seven free throws. It's, it's, it's a learned response, right? Um, anybody that putts and, and thank you for that explanation, because right now you honestly sound like anybody, whether it was a guy like yourself, who's a professional or myself, who's a 12, you lay in bed at night thinking about the putts you've missed or what guy's going to show up tomorrow, the shanker, the putter, you know, whatever. But now guys like myself are sitting on the edge of your seat because you're like, all right, what can I learn from this? What can I figure out? Well, you talked about you're working on four to six footers, but the reason why I mentioned the seven free throws is, is because there's something that everybody can take from what you're describing. Is there a number, a specific drill that you, that you constantly work on that helps you try to simplify your new putting stroke? This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. But he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. Yeah, um... The baseline basically is um, I have a board that Stephen gave me that helps keep my putter square, and that's kind of my baseline. I mean, people use chalk lines. They use all sorts of gadgets. I think the best is not going down a rabbit hole that I've done in the past, changing grips, putters, et cetera. Fine. Well, we, we've all light. done that. I mean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's part of the, you know, it's it's a slippery slope for sure, um, but finding what works best for you and then sticking to it, and Stephen did a phenomenal job of, of relaying that to me of find a putter you like. And we did, we tested everything. This is the one that works well. And he's like, listen, like if we're going to go in this together, I don't need you switching putters at all. Like this is your, this is your weapon. And I bought into that. And, um, that's, I would recommend that, you know, to anyone trying to get better is find a putter you like and stick with it. And then, um, yeah, the practice, you know, practicing with a purpose is something, you know, replicating, whether you play competitively with your friends or tournaments, whatever it is, but practicing needs to be with a purpose. And, and I'm just like anyone else. I've had moments where I've just gone out there and gone through the motions and practiced really without a plan and, um, just spending time and energy. And, um, you know, now I've got two young kids, so my time is more precious. I have to, you know, if I really want to be working hard, I have to make sure it's efficient quality over quantity. And, and that's something that, really sunk in the last little bit of, okay, like it doesn't have to be 10 hours a day, like BJ Singh or some guys have to do that for their mental sanity. But for me, if, if I'm as efficient as possible in that time frame, I feel like I can get the most out of it. And, um, I did a really good job of that 
this off season and hope to continue getting better at it. Um, time management, as you know, well, and Chris, like it's, it's very, it's a huge asset. And I think the best in the world have that down pat. So it's for me, um, but Luke, is there a, like, a, you see the videos all the time of Phil Mickelson and all the players, you know, hey, when I'm on the green, I do this before I walk off. I have to make sure I do this before I walk off, before I go yeah. to the first tee, before I'm finished with my practice for the day. Yeah, there's um, some of the drills that I use that um, Stephen has, has taught me. I'm sure everyone can look him up on Instagram and see some of his drills and stuff. But basically, there's a drill where um, – it's called a swirl drill or hurricane and you have 20 total putts and they range from four to eight feet and it's uphill side hill side hill and downhill and you go through your routine on all 20 putts complete focus all in and you basically you make a putt you tap the tee down and if you miss you leave the tee up and then you go back after and you hit the putt to make it and you know, that drill, I was the second day of Torrey Pines. I was in practice. I was really tired, had a long day of practice, and I wasn't mentally checked in. And I came back to that drill, and Steven kind of gave me a little kick in the butt. And I some just clicked in. I went all into this drill, and I made 17 out of 20. And that that equates to number one on the PGA Tour in strokes game putting. And, I mean, we looked at each other, and and I was just so proud that I had clicked in and gave it 100% focus on the on that drill and that was the day before Tory and I was able to you know capitalize and have that momentum that's a great drill for anyone um and then if you miss it's not a big deal just go through your routine on the rest of the putts go back once you're done with the 20 and f- finish the drill and, and make it you know hold it till you make it and then another drill that we li- that we like is um you start around the clock so 12 o'clock all the way around you know the horn so you have 12 total putts and they ran at 10 feet and 12 o'clock, the top of the clock will be straight downhill. Six o'clock, the bottom of the clock will be uphill and you just go around the hole. And that basically teaches you, okay, like, are there certain tendencies that you like certain putts that you don't like or don't put as well? And the reason for that is because a lot of the statistics are based upon the length of the putt, but not necessarily where you are in the green. So certain days you're going to just miss putts because you're above the hole and you have tough, challenging, breaking putts. And then other days you're going to have be, you know, closer, the same distance from the hole, but below the hole and easier putts. So that's just kind of the nature of the beast. And um, we we do that drill. And if you miss the 10 footer, you move up to nine feet. And if you miss that, you go up to eight feet. But the 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 get the goal is to make all 12 putts at 10 feet, which would be 120 feet. And that would be insanely good, obviously. So, um, I've never done all 12 at 10 feet, but I've, you know, I've done fair, fair amount of footage. Uh, we like that drill a lot and I've got a couple other speed drills that are really, really good. Um, kind of hard to explain over the phone, but I, I love, I love the idea of starting with the baseline, whether it's a chalk line board, whatever people want to use putting arc, whatever floats their boat, Start with that, get your stroke grooved, and then it's all feel and and holding putts for the short range, and then then speed. Um, you know, outside of 20, 20 to fifty feet is is a good range to just work on. You know, trying to lag it up as close as possible. And when I do that, 
when I miss the putt, my caddy will call pullbacks and you, the length, however, it's six inches. You, you measure the length of your putter and pull it back. So it's three feet plus and you have to finish out. So all these drills are simulating tournament competition. And, you know, the best I've ever seen is Xander Shoffley. Every single putt he hits on the putting green, every single putt he hits in practice has a purpose whether he's betting with his caddy or Patrick Cantlay or whatever, but he is 110% on every single putty hits. And that's just something that, you know, at this level, you, you have to get closer to that than not. I'm fascinated sitting here listening to two pro athletes who've done big things, talk about the mental aspect of the game. And, and so with that, I want to know what is it like for you in one of those pressure situations, first of all, when you've got to make a putt or a shot or whatever to win a tournament. I mean, you just went through it. Are you are you on, in your own little zone? Are you, are you nervous? How do you handle that, A? And, and B, is it more nerve-wracking in the moment standing over that shot, or is it more nerve-wracking sitting there two hours waiting for the playoff when your destiny is controlled by other people? Yeah, good question. I mean, um, I play I play the game with nerves, and I think the best way is to embrace it, me personally. Um, I know that I've played at a high level embracing it. I think that for me, if I try to quiet them or tell myself I shouldn't be nervous, it's it's kind of counterproductive. So, yeah, I mean, I was nervous on Saturday and you know, I, but I just know my tendencies. Like I've gotten better at understanding how my body is and how I react differently to different situations, especially being, you know, close to the lead or in the lead. And, um, I think it's just trying to try to be as self-aware as possible and, uh, be okay with being nervous. I mean, that's why we do it. It's fun. It, and we kept joking with my caddy, you know, with each other, just saying, there's no place I'd rather be. And, uh, you know, that's a fun place to be, obviously, when you're in that mental space, as Will knows, when you, you know, you're you're shooting and you're freed up and you don't worry about missing a shot or a putt. And you go to the next one and, and use your ability to do it the best you can. And I've I've had a lot better self-acceptance. I missed a short putt on 17 that it was, I thought, a very big putt, you know, because I thought in my head I needed to get to 16 or 17 under. But I just told myself I was going to go birdie the next hole. And, and, you know, it's not always like that. I'm not, the, I'll be the first one to tell you that. But when you do get to that place of self-acceptance, you give yourself a much better chance of succeeding. So, Luke, I want to lead up to the playoff hole, but you mentioned self-aware. So as you just talked about, listen, you've, you've played this for a long time. You mentioned earlier in one of your answers that you lost in the playoff, 2018 at the Honda to Justin Thomas. Now was, uh, Zalatoris, was he in that playoff as well? No. Um, we've, I think we've only played it together a couple of times. He's, he's significantly younger than I am. I believe he's 20. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't remember, but the way it was written, it was just you and Justin Thomas. Correct. But so you had a little experience as you talk about with the playoff, but we'll lead to that in a minute. But so as you talked about you bogey 17 and then you step up to the 18th tee and you put it in the rough. Okay, not so bad. You know, I can recover. But then you put it in the rough again. So from a mentality standpoint, it's not necessarily a yes or no question, but in your mind now, are you like, okay, I just birdied 17. I've now hit, to my standards, two bad shots. 
what do I do here? How do you, how do you mentally now, what are you thinking as you're looking over this, you're hitting your third shot, you're still in the rough and all of a sudden now you're, are you battling with, Oh, trains getting off the tracks here. Yeah. Good question. Again. I mean, basically, no, I, I was actually, you know, I, t- I kind it was a horrible layup to lay it up in the rough. There was one of the worst swings I made all week. And I forgot about it in two seconds. I was, I had too much on my plate in front of me. I was, I, it's amazing how I spun that internally. I was like, you know what? It's in the rough. Actually, that'll help me control the spin. Um, I got up there. The lie was awful. And then I just told myself, I was like, you're one of the few guys who can hit this shot. Like I can hit this shot. I know I just got to give it a lashing and, you know, hope for the best. And luckily I, it came out, it came out right to give myself, you know, behind the hole and, you, there's a little backstop there, obviously. So it was, it, it came out perfectly, but then, you know, I was, I was nervous on the putt, but I just, I trusted what I, what I'd done all week. And I, I basically just told myself I was going to make the putt. I mean, that's, you know, that's, it was a good read and, um, it, it, that's why you practice, right. To, to set up in those positions. I didn't know that that was going to get me in the playoff or that was whatever I knew it was a big putt, regardless of my finish. Again, I thought I was going to be a shot or two short, but, um, you know, I was so consumed in the moment and that's, what's fun when you compete is when you can get, get in the, the right headspace to be so dialed into what you're, you know, what you're supposed to be doing. And, um, that was a lot of fun. All right. So now let's fast forward to, uh, the playoff. You're now 130 plus yards out. And I heard you in your, in your post presser talk about all the specifics that you had to deal with. And let me interject a quick story here. So I went to school with a kid by the name of, of Scott Gump. It's my age. We're in our fifties, a little older than you. He steps up to the, the, the famous 17 at TPC Sawgrass. And he's in, he's tied for the lead. And you, you know, you guys have the microphones right there and I'm playing for the Spurs and I'm playing with Doc Rivers at the time. It was Doc Rivers last year. And Scott's now in the lead, hasn't won on the PGA tour. This is, I mean, this is, you know, one of the, at the time, I think this, this tournament paid more than some of the majors. Sure. He steps up to 17. They get the yardage. He pulls a club out. My phone rings. It's Doc Rivers. He's watching the tournament. I don't even say hello, but he's screaming on the other end. Too much club. Too much club. He's not taking into a fact that he's pumped up. He's not taking into a fact emotions. So I keep him on the line. He hits it. One bounce on the green goes over into the water. And he's like, I told you, you got to take your emotions into account. And I'm like, how do you do that, man? I mean, you got to rely on experience. So you're now in a playoff against Zalatoris. You birdied this whole prior. You mentioned, if I let me see if I get this correct, you're 135 yards, let's say approximately. Then I hear your your explanation is it's probably 10 degrees cooler now, so that's another 10 yards. My caddy and I played at 150, and you, I mean, you bang it up there, and it comes within officially, according to the to the article, eight inches. How do you control all those factors to do that? with all this hanging on the line. Yeah, um, I, I'll, I'll rewind a little bit. The the playoff I had before with Justin Thomas, you know, I played really nice that day, but I was out of my element. You know, that I was not mentally prepared for that moment. Um, I kind of wiped a drive and 
made a sloppy par and he he had a nice birdie. Um, he he did get some breaks that went his way, which you have to have to win. I played really solidly and probably could have snuck that one out, but mentally in the playoff, I was not prepared for that all on the line situation, and I learned a lot from it. And you know, you never know when you're going to be a playoff again. Um, but when I walked through that tunnel on Saturday, walking out to the cart back to the tee for the playoff. I took a deep breath and I looked out and there's crazy crowds. It was awesome. And I was just ready. I, I don't know. I can't explain it. I just told myself I was going to make birdie. And, and even if Will made birdie, we we're going to come back the next day. I was going to make birdie again. Like I just was not really worried about anything else. And that was my mindset, you know, and I just felt a calm and whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, just the piece that I was, that was what's going to happen. And, you know, to hit the drive and, and be, you know, not really where I thought it was going to end up, obviously, and and to be complete, I kind of laughed it off, and I'd hit it in so many freaking fairway bunkers all week, <laughs> and made par made birdies laying up on par fives, and where normally you know you're going for them in two and chipping or putting and you know two putt easy birdies, and my caddy was just so great, just saying, hey, you've made birdie all week doing this, just let's do it that way, and um, it just he said the right things, and and to you know, the whole discussion, it might, it actually, I, when I rewatched the coverage, it looked like it was a longer discussion, but I knew exactly what, what it was playing. You know, it was just kind of me verbally out loud telling Jeff, my caddy, what, what was going down and he was dialed in with it too. So, you know, just being more again, self-aware, I know that's cliche, but I just kind of was embracing the moment and, you know, I, you know, you, you have roughly a fair idea how far within a couple of yards your wedge is going to go. And, you know, I just knew it was a perfect, perfect full wedge and, and for it to, you know, get the right balance and the right spin was, was obviously, um, ideal. And, and, uh, that again, that's a shot that I'm gonna remember for a long time. We've got about 10, 12 minutes left today. Cause I know you, you're on a schedule and we re really appreciate you joining us, uh, with the time you have today, but Luke, I want to ask you, obviously the tie to you in this podcast is Vanderbilt you grew up in Seattle. I think you went to high school in Chattanooga. You ended up at Vanderbilt, obviously on a golf scholarship. Uh, just talk about that process, getting there, your career, anything you want to touch on in the recruiting process, the decision process, and just what your time at Vanderbilt meant to you. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate to play at a high level in high school, and, um, you know, I had great parents that supported me and, you know, any, any athlete, you know, high school athlete that makes it to college level, their parents have probably done something or they've had some influence, outside influence to get them there or coach or, and I had all that. I had a great grand grandpa who taught me the game and I had a great coach and, um, uh, very fortunate to, you know, play at a high level in high school. So I had, I had very good options recruiting wise and looked at a lot of great schools, but, I, I really love the I, the whole package of Vanderbilt with the you know the the town the school the academics the athletics um, the coach the system that they they were trying to build I know Brant Brant was kind of the the foundation layer for the program and and it's it's only accelerated even more since I've been gone um, Scott Limbaugh's done a fantastic job there and the, you know for them to be top five ranked you know nationally year in year out is is just you know tremendous feat for for him and the program but for me personally you know i got in and it was kind of always you know the goal and growing up is to you know play college golf and you dream about the pga tour but the first initial goal is to you know get a scholarship and 
to do that was was tremendous. And and my sophomore year there, the summer I I played really well in the U, the United States Amateur. So I got to play in some some majors and some big tournaments, and and that opened my eyes to okay, like this is a reality that I've got to work hard to you know work work even harder to try to become a you know professional golfer um but my time at vanderbilt was amazing i i i look back on it and smile we don't get to play that many team events um anymore where you have you either represent your country in the president's cup or the Ryder cup or there's one team event in new orleans now each year but other than that um you know i just cherish the team aspect we had a lot of fun we you know we we were competitive but um we, you know, we, we just, we, we didn't quite have that four and five guy that it takes sometimes in college golf to compete at a national level. And, but we, we, um, withstood, you know, a couple different coaches there and, but my, my time there was, was fantastic. And, you know, I always tell young people if they want to listen to me that, um, you know, stay all four years and, and I wasn't even ready, you know, even after that to really truly, be at a professional level, but the groundwork there laid, you know, important, you know, values and, and taught me how to, you know, be on my own a little bit better and, and stuff like that. So, um, I'll always, you know, think fondly of my time in Nashville and, and, you know, it's a great school, um, and, you know, very lucky to have gotten a degree from there. So Luke, this, this is kind of a, this could be a little touchy question for you. Because, you know, there's four majors. Winning this tournament qualifies you for the Masters. You've played there in 2005, but that was as an amateur, correct? Correct. Because you qualified by coming in second uh, in uh, the, the U.S. amateur, correct? Yes. So you get an opportunity to play this course. And I know what I'm saying I'm touchy is like everybody has their favorite courses. Is this the holy grail for you, Augusta? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's the, in my opinion, it's the best tournament in the world. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I live here in Augusta now or whatnot, but ever since I was a kid, I watched all the highlights. I watched every year, you know, I was fortunate enough to go once in high school. It was Arnold Palmer's last year competing and I fell in love with the place, just walking around, watching him finish up on Friday. and. Um, you know, to play there as an amateur, they they have a long-standing tradition with the amateurs of treating them very well, and um, you know it. It was a, such a special memory then, and obviously, I thought I'd play in a lot more that you know after that in the near future, and and it hasn't um, come to fruition until till now. But um, I think I, I, someone sent me a stat. I think I'm the the second longest between Masters starts. Will be it'll be 17 years where someone else was 23 years but um kind of a dubious stat but it, the the fact that um i get to go and stay in my own house and sleep in my own bed and, and teed up there again this april is it's a it's another dream come true i mean i i i hold the course and the tournament in the highest regard and um you know the the reason i do so well or do think of it so well is i i really think i've got a chance to compete there and win and and you know i I truly believe that. And that's why uh, the golf course suits my game. And I think if I can, you know, continue a good headspace, I'd, I'd really like to contend there and, and be there late on Sunday. So that's that in itself, just all the history, all the m moments. I mean, everybody loves the masters. It's, it's kind of universal. So I'm not really going out on a limb saying it's the best tournament, but um, it's, 
you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so thrilled to be, be playing there again in April. So let me last thing for me, and I know Chris has got a couple more and we'll let you go, but you even, which is a lot of people won't do. You, you mentioned that in that first playoff in 18 against Justin Thomas, you were out of your element. So now you're going to the Masters for the second time, but the first time as a professional. You obviously sound like with the work with Sweeney. And what is your uh, swing coach's name? Jamie Mulligan. Which is kind of ironic, but we won't even go there. (laughs) But you, I mean, honestly, you went 205 previous starts before finally winning your first tournament on the PGA. But what is it now? You, I mean, your answers have been very uh, thoughtful, very deep. I mean, you've done an excellent job of explaining it. I've wrote myself a bunch of notes. I think I might write a book here. <laughs> but you, I mean, to, to sit here and say, okay, I'm going to birdie this last hole after your first two shots. You'll be able to calm your nerves. And then you don't play for two hours. And then you step into that and you're like, hey, I'm going to birdie this hole in the first playoff. And if I got to come back tomorrow, I'll birdie it again. You really sound like a different player now. And I can only imagine how winning this tournament now has really solidified the thought in your head of the player that you've always felt you were. So you still have a couple more weeks because I think you got L.A. and another tournament that I know you're playing in. But what does this do now for your approach as uh, does it actually affect how you practice? But how does it affect how now when you step on that first tee on Thursday, not only in the Masters, but the tournaments leading up to it now that you've actually won a tournament? Yeah, I mean, look, golf is a humbling sport and game. And the I'm not naive to the fact that anything can happen, right? Like, I mean. I truly believe, yes, I've I've turned a corner where, you know, to get a win, it's obviously a monkey off my back. It's it's all great things. But, you know, I feel like, you know, me me sitting here, I wouldn't be honest with myself if I didn't want to go and continue doing this and competing and getting in contention more and trying to win more. So that, you know, it's a hard game. It's very difficult to win, but but me I know with my abilities, if I can stay in the right headspace and keep putting in the work, then I'll, I'll be, be in this spot again. And, and that's, you know, confirming that with the validation of a win is great, obviously. But, um, you know, I think that if I can stick to my process, like I just said, then there, there's a lot of good things ahead. And, you know, I know it's, what's great about the sport is, you know, if you stay healthy physically and mentally, you can play for a long time. And I, I really felt like, you know, even at 37, I've got some really good years ahead of me. So I'm excited. I mean, it's, it's fun to work at. I love it. It's I'm passionate about it, obviously. So again, it's, it's going to be a mental challenge to be present and be, to be focused and, and to keep working hard. But, you know, I look forward to that challenge. All right. Two quick unrelated questions as, as we end, I'll let you answer the first before we get to the second. Um, I thought it was cute. I read the article on the PJ's website about you winning the tournament 
your daughter was thrilled that you got a trophy. I, I think mentioned it as maybe a, a candy receptacle. Uh, just talk about celebrating that moment with your family. And sometimes you get unexpected texts or phone calls and things like that when you have a big moment like that. Just what has your week been like with your family and other things in light of your big win? Yeah. I mean, you know, when I finished in regulation, we were hanging out in the dining area and she was crushing a cookie and we were just talking about her, you know, at, they call it golf school and, and they were the fantastic perk, by the way, where the kids can go and, and they have a f- tremendous teachers and they get to play and all that stuff. So it's nice for the wives too. But the, you know, just to have them there was such a thrill. I mean, that, you know, obviously I would have loved to have won sooner, but it all came together at the right time. And to have that moment with them, it means so much to me. And, and, you know, for her to be old enough to kind of understand what was going on and, um, you know, my wife is, uh, she's my rock and, and to be such a, you know, sounding board for me and all my ups and downs and to, you know, help push me in, in my pursuit of my dreams is, you know, to share that with her was, was really, really special and emotional and, and, you know, um, you know, cause she sacrificed so much for me and our family and, and to have that validated for her too was, was great. So, um, you know, like I said, I don't know what the future brings, but to have that moment is something I'll really cherish for a long time. And, you know, um, just, yeah, it was very funny how she has internalized what, what a trophy is and what a birdie and a bogey, you know, and my wife will follow on the app. And when I'm, when I'm traveling by myself and, Oh, daddy made a bogey, you know, and she's, she's very cute. So, um, I'm lucky that she got to experience that and kind of understand. And hopefully I'll win some more when, uh, my son's older too. And, uh, that'll be, that'll be a fun challenge in, uh, in itself. All right. Last one, obviously being a Vandy grad, uh, well-connected to the school. What, what do you follow in terms of sports? How much do you follow? What do you feel just about the, the state, the athletic department is in right now? Yeah, I guess they're getting ready for a very expensive uh, touch-up on a, a lot of the facilities. So that's really exciting. Uh, I'm not sure when the final product is uh, going to be done, but I, I think they're starting pretty soon. Um, but I follow as much as I can. You know, I keep up with the golf team, obviously. You know, like I said, Scott Limbaugh has done an amazing job. Gator Todd was competing in Alabama when when I was playing at Vanderbilt, and he he's done a great job too. So they keep, they continuously keep churning out you know, young men that are ready to compete at, at that level and the pro level. And there's, there's a bunch of good players that'll keep coming out and, and joining me on the tour. And which is really exciting, um, because it's such a fantastic place to go to school and to v- develop your, your golf game. Um, obviously the baseball program has been epic since, since my days, you know, David Price and Pedro Alvarez. And, um, I, I grew up loving basketball myself and, and, you know, going to the games when, when school was such a treat, um, you know, there were some great upset wins against Florida and, you know, I remember all those days of heckling Yakim Noah and just, it's such a great atmosphere in that gym, but to, um, you know, obviously the football is, is King in the South and, and, you know, I think our program's got an uphill battle, but, but it's, you know, I'm always cautiously optimistic, you know, I think for us, you know, you know, seven, eight, nine wins is a possibility. And even in the SEC and, you know, I think it starts with recruiting and, and getting the right guys in there. And it sounds like the coach is off and running, doing a really good job. So um, I, I love, love to follow them. You know, it's it's a tough conference, but, 
you know, I think if if he can get the right personnel in there, then then they can, you know, start start getting some upset wins over some big programs. All right, Luke, we're going to let you go. One, one small piece of backstory for the audience. We were having tremendous technical difficulties getting a three-way call together. Luke actually was a really good sport about it, made it happen. And, and so, Luke, um, if we helped you with anything, maybe it's the knowledge you've got a career in IT after <laughs> golfing is, is done for you or you get bored with it. So thanks for being a good sport, and, and thanks so much for being on today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, guys. Um, pleasure, pleasure is mine, and I appreciate. Um, you know, I'm I'm obviously passionate about about it, so it's it's fun to talk about. But um, obviously, passionate about Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt athletics. So thanks for uh, giving me some time. And Luke, I also wanted to conclude that you know I think you should take pride in the fact that you know you obviously represent the university with class, but also more so, you know, I want you to know that you know. Being able to teach somebody like myself, who's 56 as we do this podcast, something, and not just about golf, but just kind of listening to you talk about the confidence, because it's the one thing I always tell people when I speak to groups is, is how easily, even at professionals, their confidence can be shaken and how, di- how difficult it can be to get that back. But you think to that, you know, 205 tournaments one playoff you had won twice on the corn ferry but yet you continue to believe in yourself and you know the fact that you've got such a support in your wife chloe your family i mean it's just it makes an older person like myself feel really good that somebody that i still consider 37 to be young to feel like you got your priorities you got things in order and you know it's it's was a long time coming but it's obviously well deserved and we'll all be anxiously waiting with bated breath for you to win that next tournament and hopefully a couple majors. Well, that's that sure sounds great. And thank you for the compliment. I appreciate it. that means a lot, um, especially coming from someone with such a fantastic career as yours. And um, yeah, I look forward to uh, hopefully talking to you guys soon soon with the green jacket. Yeah, that'd, <laughs> that'd be awesome. We'll, we'll make a pact right now. You bring home the Masters. We are doing a second podcast. Yeah. <laughs> sounds good. All right. Best of luck to you, Luke. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.